This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the TGT Stadium. Thank you for joining us this morning for the Arsenal Transfer Show. I hope you're doing good. Hope you're doing well as Arsenal close in on the brand new 2022-23 season with a new look for the channel and hopefully some really exciting things to talk about for the rest of the season and beyond. Good morning, everybody joining us live in the chat box. Thank you so much for making this a continued part of your morning routines. Slightly new colour scheme and changes, of course, for the brand new shows. We've got more to show you, uh, more thumbnails, more designs for the different shows, of course, that we do across the channel. Um, but I hope you like what you're seeing. If you do have any feedback, if you do have any thoughts, positive, negative, or otherwise constructive, do leave them in the comment section below. Uh, and thank you, everybody, that's joining us as well in the chat box this morning. Good morning to Jose. Uh, good morning to Matt G. Uh, good morning to Stevie, to Martin. Hope you're good, guys. Simon and Damien and Edwin, who somehow is asking himself, how has he not been first <laughs> despite tuning in? More than half an hour before the show started. You've got to be quick and you've got to be early, that's for sure. Uh, Ozzy Guna, good morning to you. Ian, good morning. Kaiser, Blackshine, Paul, Carlton. Uh, thank you so much, guys, for tuning in as always. Hope you're doing good and I hope you're doing well. Without further ado, let's go and kick off today's show with our first and main story, which, of course, is that it came home. Finally, it came home and it was our girls that did it. Uh, Beth Mead, Leah Williamson and co fantastic performance in the Euros final yesterday. I hope that you got to watch it. It was a magical moment at full time, um, seeing the ladies lift the trophy, uh, doing what the men couldn't, a fair play to them, um, and absolutely fantastic. It's still going to take time, you know, before the gap between the women's and men's clothes. It's going to take a long time still, and we know that. You know, if there was the men's team that had won it, I think the atmosphere in the streets in England would be very different, and I hope that one day we can get to a stage where... You know, they are uh, as close to as being as feasibly possible 
Um, but amazing, amazing achievement. Uh, Beth Mead as well, of course, winning the player of the tournament. Did brilliantly, brilliantly well. And uh, I look forward to seeing what changes and progression we see in the women's game from an English perspective. You know, everyone else, every other nation, I respect you. But I want England to win. I'm an England fan. I'm not one of those salty English or British guys that's like, yeah, they're not British, certainly not British, but it turns in English. Like, I want England to succeed. I, I, I don't, I'm not a particularly huge fan of, of international football, but when England are in a tournament, I want them to win. And uh, I'd love seeing uh, the kind of the, the environment around England when the tournament's on these days. It's, it has changed drastically. And uh, I'm very, very, very fortunate, I think, to be around a time where English football uh, across the boards is reaching new heights. So fingers crossed we can see that happen. Let's uh, move on with our Arsenal stories. And Catalan Kurjan made his long-awaited under-21s return uh, he has missed over 400 days of football because of injury. So seeing him back in the squad is a really, really big moment for the Romanian. Uh, he's a really highly rated central midfielder, attacking midfielder, can play you know, in multiple positions in the middle. And he's one to keep an eye out for. We think of Charlie Patino, we think of Salah Adin, we think of you know, Kido Taylor-Hart, we previously thought of Amari Hutchinson and now, of course, Marcelo Flores. Catalan Kurjan is, is one you need to keep an eye on because um, he's a special talent and I look forward to seeing what he brings to the side. Pablo Marie uh, looks closer to securing a move away from Arsenal. He is in conversation with Monza, uh, the Italian side owned by uh, Berlusconi, of all people, and uh, he looks like he could potentially be returning to Italy as he wanted. He did spend last season, as we know, on loan with Udinese. He said he wanted to return to Italy. He wasn't particularly, you know, specific about it being Udinese in particular. And to be honest, you know, they have their own issues and have gone through a lot of changes this summer. But Monza are looking the most likely situation for Pablo Marie in the coming weeks. Lucas Torreira as well. Sampdoria continuing to hope that they can secure a return for the Uruguayan international. Arsenal are still asking for upwards of 10 million euros for Lucas Torreira and hope that they can get that figure. Torreira was not involved in the matchday squad against Sevilla in any way, shape or form, which could be a small indication that he is moving on. A number of players like Leno and Balogun also weren't involved and so therefore could be big hints towards Torreira moving on. That said, he did leave the US tour camp to go and sort out some things in Italy. So perhaps that is one of also one of the reasons why he wasn't included. But he did train with the main squad ahead of the game against Sevilla, but was not included in the matchday squad whatsoever. Following Balogun, though, is also looking like he might leave the club too, with specifically Rem in France being the team that he will go and play for on loan for the rest of the 2022-23 season. Finally, him getting a full season-long loan away from Arsenal. This is going to give him a great opportunity to play abroad, a great opportunity to play at the top level in one of the, uh, Europe's elite five leagues. And I think this is a great opportunity to hopefully level him up and see him get regular game time. And Ketir is not going to get the same amount of minutes, I don't think, in the end as Balogun, unless he faces an injury. And it could be a chance for him to try and develop above his Arsenal teammate. He needs to return having got plenty of goals and plenty of minutes in his game. And if he can do that, then fingers crossed we can see a player that will return to Arsenal that can really start to pay back the massive wage that we are currently paying him at around £40,000 per week. Yes, that's how much we had to invest to convince Balogun to stay at Arsenal. So we need to try and find a way 
to bring him back into the fold to start contributing to the senior side. Speaking of players that are going to be leaving, although on a permanent basis in this sense, Bert Leno has now agreed that deal with Fulham. £8 million is due to have his medical before signing. Arsenal lose one of their best servants they've had in the last few years. Of course, the first goalkeeper that we brought in after Arsene Wenger moved on under Unai Emery. And has been, you know, a very solid servant to Arsenal. And I think the £8 million is probably not reflective of his genuine value, but it is his market value. And, and that is what he's going for. And that is what clubs, and particular Fulham, have been willing to pay for him. And Arsenal have accepted that now. And we will see Leno move on to Fulham and play against us next season. I'm expecting a very, very good reception for him when he does return to the Emirates. Um, we do play Fulham very early on in the season. I can't remember if it's home and away. Someone in the chat box is screaming at me which one it is. But uh, whenever he does return to the Emirates, he will indeed, I imagine, get an exceptional reception from the crowd. Now, uh, according to reports in Italy, uh, Lazio still want to try and sell Sergei Milinkovic-Savic this summer. Uh, and Arsenal and Manchester United continue to be the two teams that are linked with a move. El Matino, or Il Matino, the team, uh, the team, the uh, outlet have reported this. But of course, we know previously from other Italian sources earlier on in the window that Arsenal was said to be credited with an interest. Even some going as far as to say that Arsenal had bid for the player. I'm not. I'm not convinced that is the case. I don't think Arsenal have yet made a bid for Sergei Milinkovic-Savic. I would love to see Arsenal get hold of him. I think he's a brilliant player and of a world-class level that would certainly add so much more to this Arsenal team. It is now a case of keeping those fingers crossed that he does indeed end up at Arsenal next season. But we're going to need some significantly better sources to start confirming this news before we get anywhere near the amount of excited we need to be. And finally, Lucas Paqueta. Freddie Paxton reporting yesterday uh, via social media that despite talks early on in the window, Arsenal's interest on the player, as was confirmed by Edu, has certainly called to next to nothing, it seems, which is a frustration because he's a very good player. But at the same time, Arsenal do have quite a lot of players in that role. You think of Fabio Vieira, you think of Emile Smith-Rowe, and now, of course, Martin Odegaard as club captain. Lucas Paqueta is an attacking midfielder. He's not an out-and-out wide player. Would he really have offered us um, the depth and strength that we need in regards to the necessities of the squad? Would he add quality? Definitely. Is it quality that is that we're crying out for? I'm not so sure it is in the same way that a central midfielder and a wide forward certainly are. It would have been a big investment on a position that for me is not in the top two, maybe even not top three priorities for the squad centre midfield, wide forward, and arguably left centre-back or a left-footed centre-back, at least with Marie moving on, I think are higher on our list of priorities this summer. And Paqueta does not particularly fit that mould. And that completes all of today's stories. Uh, we're going to go to your questions in the chat box in just a second. I did uh, consider about having a different kind of intro for the, uh, the question section and asking about that. But to be honest, it's just so good that clearly you want to see it again. So just after this very quick break, we'll be taking your questions from the chat box. (music) 
Okay, let's jump into the chat and see what you guys are asking. Uh, let's see. I mean, I think we've got some really good feedback, to be fair, uh, from the stuff today. Thank you so much uh, for the kind comments in the chat box. I really, really appreciate uh, all the kind words that are going down in the chat box today. The feedback is is much appreciated. Always do leave your comments as well uh, down below. and It does let us know how to change things, tweak things, make things better, uh, make them more accessible. We've moved on from the green screen a little bit now. I kind of like the natural background. I'm going to try and improve more things that are behind me. I think the the removal of the moving background as well is a little less distracting for people too. And we certainly did a few polls to get people's ideas and feels for that. So I hope you appreciate that we are listening to feedback. We are trying to make this a better listening and viewing experience for you. Uh, and that you're enjoying everything that's going on. Uh, Unknown says, what about Runison news? There isn't really anything. You know, we heard of Copenhagen being potentially interested in him. That hasn't changed. There has been no update on that whatsoever. The club do want to sell him, but it's very difficult because he's got very high wages, around £52,000 per week, which is mental when you consider we're talking about Alex Runison here. Not particularly a player that I thought would be anywhere near that amount of money, but is. So no, we await to see if there is more. I think he's the type of player that would just continue to go on loan, you know, until his contract ultimately runs out. Um, Lynn says, Tom, who do you think is realistic to whom we will sign before the end of the window? Good question. Who is realistic this summer? Tillemans, of course, remains the key one for me that I think is the most real because he wants to come. There's no issues with, with uh, personal details. And I do think we're awaiting kind of the movement of Lucas Torreira and Ainsley make the Niles before we go for him. But for me, you know, even if it's a case of those two sitting on the sidelines for a season and we have to invest five million quid to keep them, it is what it is. Just bring in a player that's going to give us serious quality. Uh, and that's ultimately what I want to see from this club is quality brought into the team. Uh, Dan Roberts says, do you think Ramsdale might take the number one shirt or is it too late? I don't think it's too late yet. Uh, I do think there's a potential for him to take that spot. Depends on registrations before the season starts on Friday. But I, I don't want to sit here and tell you that he absolutely can. But there is a chance he could take the number one shirt. Same with Saliba in the number two. If Bellerin leaves this week before the season starts, we could see Saliba take that number two shirt potentially. But I don't know for sure if it is possible at this stage of the season. Um, Jay says, do you think the five subs will slow the games down if teams fall behind and consider it will turn 10 subs per game? Will it slow... The game down. I'm not sure that it will because you're obviously taking off more players that are fatigued with more fresh legs. So you could argue that maybe it would even speed up the game. I think what it is going to do is widen the gap between the teams at the top and the teams at the bottom of the table. If you can make more subs and you've got a more deeper quality team, you can keep the potential, not only fitness high, but the quality high throughout a game more so than teams further down the league table that don't have that same strength in depth. You can change out your entire front line between the first and second period where you want to make those changes. I still believe that you can only make those subs on three separate occasions, not including half-time, I don't think. But at the same time, it is a lot of substitutions. Five compared to three, it's only two more. But in the context of a whole season, you know, and in the context of one game, that goes from six subs to ten being able to be made across the two teams. It's a lot of change. And it is going to tactically change the way in which substitutions are used. Um, let's go to, uh, Christopher who says, Tom, have you been recruited by Arsenal now? We know you're at the, we know you're at the training ground. <laughs> What's the news, mate? I can't tell you yet, but no, I haven't. It's, uh, it's just a media thing. You know, it's just part and parcel of, of working in 
that field. But as soon as I can tell you, I'll tell you. I'll promise. Uh, Stephen says, do you think the World Cup will have a major impact on the gains from Boxing Day onwards? Injuries, tiredness and mental fatigue could cause a lot of unusual results. Stephen, it's a fair and good question. Yes, I do think the World Cup is going to have an impact on teams. Will it have an impact on us? I'm not sure because we don't know how long our players are going to be involved. We don't know how many of them are going to get called up. We know a lot of them are, but we don't know how many of them. So we're going to have to wait and see. Thankfully, we've got quite a lot of our of good players that aren't going to be there. You know, you think of Kieran Tealing, Alexander Zinchenko, for instance, they're not going to be going. So we're going to keep a fair few players here uh, as well. That's positive. But ultimately, there are still lots of our first team squad that are going to be there. Most of the first team aren't going to be going. So we'll have to see. But there's no, you know, there's no answer I can give you right now for assuredness uh, that we will or we won't be affected by the fatigue associated with the World Cup being in the middle of the season. Um, Hugo says, is Tottenham United or Chelsea the top four contender for uh, for us reaching top four? Good, um, good question. Spurs, I think, are the best of those three. Annoyingly, um, I think that obviously Antonio Conte being there, they've got two world-class players in Son and Kane. I think they've added some decent players. Um, I don't rate their window hugely, but it's just I think that with that group, they're probably on the way up still as well like we are. Uh, Chelsea are vulnerable. Chelsea have got errors. Man United are transitioning with Eric Ten Hag. I th- I think it will be between us, Spurs, and probably Chelsea for fourth place. United, I just can't get my head around right now what's going on there. I really can't. And I'm glad with that because I can't stand them. But uh, I hope that we can really you know, put the foot, put our foot down on the accelerator in terms of this season and push as high up the table as feasibly possible. Um, Mixed Explosive Snowman says, uh, which is an incredible name, says, who do you think our eight homegrown players would be? Good question. Uh, let's have a quick check of the Arsenal match day squad. Uh, so going through, it is going to be Ramsdale, of course, uh, Ben White, Rob Holding, um, scrolling down a little bit more, uh, William Saliba, although he turned 21 this year, so I'm not sure he actually goes towards the quota. He does count as homegrown because he's been at the club since he was 18 and been here for three seasons. But I think you have to start the year as a 21-year-old, so he'll be he'll count towards the homegrown quota from next season. I'm not sure he necessarily has to be registered because he started the year as a 20-year-old, but I'd need to get that double-checked. I know he counts as homegrown now, but I don't think he has to be registered because he didn't start the year as a 21-year-old. But I might have that slightly wrong. Maybe people in the chat box can correct me. Um, beyond that, you've got uh, Saka still doesn't have to be. Smith Rowe now does. Um, we've got who else in the team? Maitland-Niles I don't think will be here, so he won't count. Eddie Nketiah, of course. Reese Nelson as well. Uh, again, Martinelli likes Saliba. I don't think Martinelli has to be registered because he didn't start the year as a 21-year-old. And who knows, maybe we'll sign some more homegrown players. So uh, interesting, interesting indeed. Uh, There is no cap on homegrown players. You're right. Um, There's the cap on the non-homegrown players. The reason why the the person who left the last comment, whose name's now escaped me, unfortunately, said eight is because you can have a maximum of 17 non-homegrown players, which means that you would have eight homegrown players. But at the same time, you don't, there's no cap on the amount of homegrown players you can have. You can have as many as you want. But you can only have a 25-man squad. And the maximum non-homegrown players you can have is 17. But there are a number of players in our team that we don't actually have to register because they didn't, I don't think, the 21-year-old threshold at the start of 2022. 
Um, let's go to Daniel, who says, Tom, I can't see why everyone thinking the spuds are going to do well. I have a feeling that Conte will walk before Christmas as the players starts to moan at his training sessions. I don't think so. I think Conte will stay for the rest of this season, but potentially could leave at the end unless they do horrifically badly and they end up sacking him, which I'd love to see, of course. But I don't necessarily see that happening, to be fair. Um, let's go to Jelly Pig, who says, of all our youth prospects, who do you feel is going to make it to the first team? I personally think Brooke Norton Cuffey has the best chance. I can't see Balogun making it personally. There's a lot of players in the way of Balogun. With Norton Cuffey, there isn't the same kind of barriers. You know, you've got Cedric, who's aging and going to move on in the next year or two. You've got Tommy Asu, who's a very different player in terms of style. But you've got Rule Waters, you can't forget, very liked by the club, hence why he went on the US tour. And if it wasn't for an injury, you know, would be still starting with the under-21s at that right-back position, I think. There's a chance to see Rule Waters play, I think, in the right side of a back three and Norton Cuffey play in a right wing-back role, depending on what um, they choose to do uh, with Ali Mehmet and what he chooses to do with the team next season. And then, of course, you've got to think about the likes of Lino Souza. You've got to think about Charlie Patino. You've got to think about Salah Dean and Marcelo Flores. There's a lot of exciting things going on with the youth team. Omar Rekic, of course, has gone on loan, as has Mika Biref. They're ones to watch this season. And we'll try, of course, to update you throughout the campaign as to how they're getting on. But there's a lot to come, I think, from our team this season, and especially from the youth players and what chances they'll get in the Europa League group stage and the Carabao Cup as well. Um, Deep Eleven says, uh, Tom, I was watching Man United yesterday and saw their academy has a lot of foreign players, something that Hale End lacks. Why is that? Uh, United, I think, invested quite heavily in bringing in young players from abroad a fair few years ago before the effects of Brexit happened. If you remember back in, what was it, 2019 or 2018, one of those two years, I forget how long ago Brexit actually happened. It was, you know, I know the vote happened years and years and years ago, but it came into effect only a few years ago. Um, we signed a fair few players from abroad. George Lewis, Joel Idaho came in, Nikolai Moller came in. You know, we signed some young players from abroad and I think we were doing that in response to Salah Adin. Of course, we signed on a free after he was uh, released by Feyenoord. So, you know, we've got these young guys that have been brought in that maybe I, I think Brexit would have stopped us from signing now. So that's why we did it. But Man United invested quite heavily, quite early in those types of players uh, compared to us. Uh, Deep Kundu says, is it possible to go for Lima? I don't think so. I think he's going to Bayern Munich, or at least that's how we feel, felt like he's going to end up at Bayern Munich. They've been linked to him for pretty much the whole summer. Don't get me wrong. I really like Conrad Lima. I'd love to see him at Arsenal. I think he'd be a great midfielder for us to go and get. But I think he's going to end up going to Bayern Munich. Um, let's go to uh, Sarthak. It says, Tom, I'm a recent subscriber. I think your camera angle could be a bit more central. It looks a bit upwards. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's probably the positioning of uh, the laptop compared to the seat. If I lowered the seat and go down <laughs> and I change this to here, is that better? You'd have to let me know. I feel like I have to adjust my microphone now. There we go. Maybe that's better. You'd have to let me know in the chat box if you think that's a better way of, of the camera angle being. Always up for getting feedback, guys, so don't hesitate to let me know. Uh, let's go to uh, TJ who says, uh, Tom, don't you think we should sack Southgate and bring in Serena? Uh, I think she's doing clearly something right. Yeah, look, uh, she's done fantastically. Southgate, I'm not, uh, he hasn't grown on me. I used to kind of defend him quite a bit, but then a really good argument got put forward to me that he's probably taken England as far as he can take them. I think that a better coach probably wins the Euros, wins the World Cup maybe, who knows? 
you know, I think that a better coach would have got more from this England team. Uh, and that's the difference with that. And I think that's, whereas I see Arteta is on the up with with Arsenal, I don't necessarily see England being on the up. I think they are kind of at their maximum under Southgate. And I don't see that with Arteta, which is the difference between the two for me. And I'd rather see England bring in another coach to take them to, you know, take them beyond where Southgate has taken them so far. Um, V-Dub says, why aren't we looking at the loan market for the right wing slash striker? Because we've still got time left in the window to attack a permanent signing. It might be that we look towards the loan market in the latter stage of the window. I imagine Arsenal would only go to the loan market in those final stages if they can't bring in a player that they want permanently. And they think that investing in someone on loan is more amenable to the club. So I think that might be one of the big reasons as to why we haven't done that. Uh, let's go to Daniel, who says, is it possible for the new ref changes? I will show how biased the old regime really was against us. We'll have to wait and see, Daniel. <laughs> it's an impossible question to answer right now. So uh, let's let's see what happens and see what changes are made. Uh, HB says, did we make a mistake not having preseason games against a team that plays primarily with a low block? I feel that it would have tested our new attacking fluidity more. HB, what I would say to you is that you're going to struggle to find a team that's going to approach a preseason game with a low block. Preseason is for fitness, trying out tactics, and there's nothing on the line in those games. So it's very difficult you ever find a team playing a low block in preseason because they've got nothing to lose in those games. So teams are pretty open. Teams like to attack. And that's why I think one of the reasons we've scored so many goals is we found a lot of spaces in behind. Next season, we are going to come up against teams that try and defend deep and that we're going to have to work out how to break down. We aren't going to have the situations that we found ourselves having this summer because teams don't play that way in friendlies. They're going to be more expressive and more risky. That doesn't happen during a season, which is also why you should take preseason results with a pinch of salt because they can be very different to the real thing, and that's that's the change. Uh, John, you're not too late. Uh, you, you caught the end of the show, but thank you so much for uh, for joining in, John, and thank you for your continued support, my friend. Uh, Johnny says, Tom, are you happy with the backing of Arteta's received from Stan and Co. in the last few years? I can't be unhappy, Johnny. You know, we've spent more than we ever spent in a window last summer. We're on our way potentially to repeating that this summer. We spent something like 80 million the summer before that. I can't be disappointed with the level of investment that we've had available to us. You know, we can't turn around and point fingers at the ownership for not spending. We've spent money. So it's very difficult to turn around and say that that, that he hasn't been backed. He's been backed. You know, we've spent a hell of a lot of money. So I, I don't necessarily think that there's any kind of finger to be pointed towards the ownership in regard to investment because we've we've seen investment. I don't think we can debate that at all. There's been serious, serious investment um let's go to um king who says a different king we have a few kings in our chat box uh king lucci who says uh, you emphasize the need for a wide player that plays on the right but i think we arguably have more depth there than on the left that's why i think gakpo is borderline perfect for us i mean right now we do have a lot of players on the right you're right but the thing is, um, I think that if we bring in on the right, it's because we're going to replace someone there. If we bring in someone on the left, no one's leaving. You know, Martinelli and Smith Rowe aren't leaving. Whereas if you bring someone in on the right, I think Pepe goes. Even Nelson potentially goes as well. That's why I think there is the illusion that there's more depth on the right than there is the left right now. 
But I think that's because if we bring someone in on the right, it would be to upgrade on what we've already got. We're not looking to upgrade on Smith Rowe or Martinelli, but we should be looking to upgrade on Pepe and Nelson in terms of squad depth. That's why I say that we need to be more thinking about the right-hand side, if that makes sense. I hope it does. Um, let's go to... Um, it's always the awkward bit when I'm like scrolling down the chat box. Uh, Matthew says, what's happened to Miami John? Well, Miami John is now Chicago John uh, and he's absolutely fine. He's great. He's doing really well. Uh, he's in our WhatsApp group all the time. He's just a very, very busy man. He's a busy lawyer. So, you know, he's uh, he's got a lot on, but he'll be back on the channel. Don't you worry. Um, let's go to Yar, who says, uh, do you know about Yunus Musa in USA International? Was at the Arsenal Academy and now at Valencia? Yes, I do know about him. Central midfielder and done very, very well since leaving for Valencia. He's been one of their standout players in the Valencia team. Is it a regret that we let him go? In the same way, it's a regret that we let other players leave from the academy. You can't keep them all. You know, Amari Hutchinson, we've learned that this summer, even one of our, one of our, you know, most promising times as a youth setup and a, one of the best teams providing a pathway to the first team in the top end of the leagues. We still can't provide that guarantee. And so players will leave strangely to Chelsea in the case of Hutchinson, which is just, I think, a money thing more than anything. But yeah, look, I think that Yunus Musa is not one I'm looking back on with any amount of regret, but I like how he's developed and what he's turned into because he's done very, very well indeed. Uh Olu says, hey, Tom, if Fafana is worth 80 million, then how much is Saliba worth? As much as someone is willing to pay. You know, if if Chelsea are willing to pay 80 million for Fafana, that's what he's worth. If they're not, he's not worth that much. You know, I know Leicester are saying they're not going to accept any bids for less than 80 million, but also they don't need to sell. You know, they don't need to sell Fafana and they don't want to sell Fafana. Arsenal, in the case of a lot of their players they're looking to sell, want to sell them and need to sell them. That drastically reduces their market value. Fafana is on a long-term contract, doesn't need to be sold unless they don't want to sell him. So that's why he's worth, why they believe he's worth that amount. But if Chelsea aren't willing to pay that, then he isn't worth that because a player is worth as much as you're willing to pay for them, ultimately. That's kind of the misconception around the transfer market, ultimately. Um, Let's go to Daniel. says, Tom, are you saying that Tillemans is much better to what we already have, better than Xhaka Partey and any? Well, he's different to them, and he doesn't play really the same role as those players. You know, whilst you could pop Tillemans into a centre midfield eight role like we have with Xhaka, and they're playing in the, the same position, they would play different roles in the same area of the pitch. So I think that Tillemans is better suited to Arsenal in terms of certain games. But in others, I would start Xhaka over him, you know, because if we're going up against the Manchester City away from home, playing Odegaard and Tillemans with Partey might not be too well advised. You might want to bring Xhaka in to have a little bit more defensive and midfield steel than you get from Tillemans. But that's what this is about, Dan. It's about strengthening the squad. It's not about looking, is A better than B? Is this player better than that player? No, it's about making sure that we strengthen the squad as a whole. We take the team forwards. We push the needle a little bit further by adding quality. It's not always about, is X player better than Y player and so on. You know, I want to see players that are competing. I don't want backups. It's never what I've wanted at Arsenal for this summer. We need to make sure we're bringing in players that are going to improve us. Do I think Tillemans does that? Yes, I do. So that's why I think that he, it's not about him being better than those players. It's about him being of a level that he improves our starting 11 when we need him. And I think he does that. So that's how I would answer that question. Um, let's go to Diana, who says, uh, question, what's your take on releasing the last of the old era players on a free? Torreira, Marie, Bellerin. 
so we move on. I don't see that status quo continuing after them. I think what we will see is the change of the status quo leans very much in the manager's favour with this. You know, you move on these kind of old era players, you move on those players that weren't signed by Arteta, everyone at the club, nearly 90% of the players are players that were either signed by him or have certainly developed into senior players under him like Saka and Smith-Rowe. Um, these types of players, you know, they've gone into their 20s being coached under Arteta and have become Arteta players. There's very few players at the club that are still not Arteta players just through being signed, like Tierney, Elneny, you know, these types. Uh, Xhaka, of course, as well. But they will move on in the next couple of years. Maybe not Tierney, but certainly Xhaka and Elneny will move on eventually. Potentially even Tierney moves on. He's brought in Zinchenko. He's brought in a left-back of his own choice. So... That's that's the difference now. And I think the status quo leans very much in the favour of the manager, which is fine because you want the manager to be in control. If he's not in control, then you can't point the finger at him if things don't go right. And that's where we want to be is that we want to be able to point the finger at Arteta and nowhere else. That's that's where we want to be as a club, being able to point the finger solely at the manager for when things go badly because we don't want to be pointing the finger anywhere else because then there isn't a legitimate source of the problem that you can make a change to. So there you go. Um, let's scroll down a little bit more and answer a couple more before we wrap things up. Thank you, by the way, to the over 1,200 of you that are tuning in. I hope that you're enjoying the new graphics, the new look of the channel, if you are. And even if you're not, still do drop a like on the video, subscribe to the channel if you're new. There's plenty more graphics and views and looks and themes to be seen on the channel. So don't you worry. More is to come indeed as we continue through and get closer to the brand new season. We'll have a preview show for you guys on Wednesday uh, with the members from our Discord server. If you'd like to help support the channel, you can go into the link tree in the description. A lot of you have been asking about the Fantasy League. Again, if you go into the description and click on the link tree there, it will take you to our page where you can find the link to uh, join in with our fantasy football. So there you go. Lovely stuff. Um, let's go to Deep Kundu says, uh, for the right wing position, how do you feel about Elise? Looks extremely promising. I like him as a player. I just don't think he necessarily progresses the right wing area for us right now. Maybe in two years he would. Maybe in one year he would. But I, I don't want to risk an investment in a player that's probably going to cost you upwards of 40 million without any guarantee that he's going to push the needle for us. And I don't necessarily think we can guarantee he pushes the needle for us at this stage. I think there's still more to be seen, more to be proven in Elise's game before we move for him. Uh, and let's finish the show on, let's go to scrolling down. Uh, <laughs> it's really hard to find. I want to really pick out something interesting. Uh, Balaji, uh, who says, uh, hi, Tom, uh, how will the Premier League teams manage fixture congestion this season? It seems the games are stacked all over and it looks like there's no rest for the players. Ultimately, through rotation, through the addition of the extra two substitutions and having deeper and bigger squads, that's how they deal with it. That's what we've tried to do. Now it's going to be a case of putting that to the test and seeing if we've added enough to the squad. Remember, whilst we criticised the you know the second string not looking as strong, we've still got Tommy Asu and Tierney and Smith Rowe and Fabio Vieira all to come back, plus potentially any other signings we make between now and the end of the window. I think we've got a very strong squad. I'm looking forward to seeing what we can do with it next season. And 
yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun, hopefully. Anyway, you can find me over on the Arsenal way in just under an hour and a half's time. We're not done with the Arsenal chat this morning. Link is always in the link tree in the description. Uh, I'll also be over on the Gooners pod tomorrow morning after our morning show for the ridiculous 27-hour podcast that Mike is doing. Uh, and tonight's both the Arsenal Lounge returns and also uh, I'll be with uh, Sophie on the hybrid squad. It's a busy day for pods. It's a very, 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 very busy day for podcasts. So uh, <laughs> you're not going to be hard-pressed to find any TGT or TC content, that's for sure. Thank you for tuning in. I'll see you again very, very soon. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.